Hello, welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Asban, here with my friend, Chavrut and Gordon. Our daf today, Masachat Yuma, daf Pei Hey, page 85. We're really in the home stretch here. We hope you've signed up to join us for our Siam. Uh, if you have not, there's still time to do so. If you want to maybe uh, share some words of Torah, let us know as well. And even though we are going to be finishing uh, Yuma on Thursday, God willing, and starting Sukkah on Friday, uh, we'll be completing it together with our Talking Talmud community on Sunday. Uh, but let's get to this very nice and juicy long daf here. So we still have some more discussion about Pikuach Nefesh. Um, and at the top of the daf, again, there are some of these distinctions that are made between the Jew and the non-Jew in some of the areas when it concerns Pikuach Nefesh. Um, but the Gemara does something interesting here about the case of a person who is buried underneath a collapsed building. Now, I really can't record or talk about this, unfortunately. Uh, you know, if someone were to go back and probably listen to this again in the next cycle, you know, this is taking place and we are learning about this uh, really soon after that terrible building collapse that took place in Surfside. Um, and so much of this, I think, is really resonating, I'm sure, for many of us who are learning this now. And so the Gemara... Uh, wants to, you know, goes through the following. Tana Rabbanan, at Heichan Hubodik. So here the question is, if we know that a person is buried underneath a collapsed building, until what point does somebody check, in other words, to make sure that they are alive? What the Gemara is really saying here is, is that if you have proof uh, while you're digging somebody out that they, God forbid, actually were no longer alive, you basically would stop doing what you needed to do on Shabbat anymore because, you know, there, there's no reason to be Michal El Shabbat anymore. It's not Doch anymore. You would just wait at that point till after Shabbat. And so the Gemara answers her, Ad Chotmo, right? Until uh, the victims know. So in other words, you would want to check that the person is breathing. And if they're not breathing anymore, you would basically declare them to be dead. The Yishimrim Ad Libo. And some people say until their heart. Right. Let's say you have, you know, several people were, God forbid, buried and you found that the people up top were um, were were dead. Right. Right. You are actually not allowed to say, well, then the lower ones must also be dead. Right. You're actually not allowed. To, you're not allowed to do that and say that there's no reason to actually continue. Because there was a case once where there were some bodies found on the top, but on the bottom they were still alive. And so I think here what they're trying to drive at is, is that one has to continue to look. You really are not, you're not allowed to make a decision whether uh, based on the evidence that you say there's any type of suffix you still need to. Now, what's interesting here is, is that this whole thing about the nose versus the heart I think really gets into an essential question when I first read it before I continued with the Gemara, which is sort of like, where do we, where's life given from for a person? That's essentially what it's saying. And lo and behold, that's where the Gemara goes to next. Right. So we'll say that this machlokas is actually machlokas between Tanaim. Um, this, this machlokas of the Tanaim about how we check for signs of life is the same machlokas that has to do with, uh, we're going to see about sort of, how a embryo or fetus is formed. Titania, we learned in Avraisa. From where do we say, like at what point do we say that the fetus is created, right? From where, where is it created from? Mero show. So some would say from its head. 
Shenamar in Kira quotes a pasuk from Tehillim, chapter seventy-one, verse six. Shenamar mimehi mi atagozi, right? You are he who took me gozi out of my mother's vomer gazi mizrach v'hashlichi. And so then they compare this to a pasuk where the word gozi appears. Here it's in Yirmiyahu, chapter seven, verse twenty-nine, um, where it says, "Cut off, right." Go like cut off gozi nizaracha your hair and cast it away. So here, because gozi, right? Both of these uh, in 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 the word here, who took me gozi out of my mother's womb. So we know a baby is delivered from their head. And in the second one, gozi cut off your hair. So the word gozi seems to mean uh, something about a person's head. And since we see the person's head has to do with the person's womb, right? Um, that's where we say that a fetus is going to be, uh, 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 that's where a fetus is created from. Abba Shaul Amir Mitiburo. Abba Shaul says a person is created from his navel. Now, I think that's also interesting because we know that your, um, you know, your navel, your umbilicus is sort of what connected you to the mother. It's what connects the baby to the mother, what provides all the nourishment. And then he goes on to say, Right, he sends his roots in every direction, um, and so one tan is basically saying the tano says that we go to the nose. This person would say that you know that the the fetus, the important part is the head, whereas the tano who says that we look for the presence of life based on somebody's heart. This would be the person who says that the formation of the fetus starts with somebody's um, with somebody's navel, and then it goes on to filutema abba shaul. Right, the Gemara says, okay, even if you want to say that the formation of the fetus is from the navel, like the opinion of Abba Shaul, Akan Laka, right? So until now, right, I'm a Rabba Shaul, Hatam Ela Linyan Yitzira, right? Abba Shaul spoke only about the formation of a person. And that everything is created from the middle. But when it comes to Pikuach Nafash, Maybe even Abba Shaul would admit that the main sign of life is always in the nose. And here they quote, you know, a very famous pasuk from Bereshi chapter 7, verse 12, right? All in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life. So here this pasuk explicitly says that there's a relationship between life and, um, and the spirit of somebody's nose. Um, now, again, I, I really would just like to say, because this I found this stuff, it was painful to read. And painful. I hope some, it's painful. It's really painful to read. And I almost went back and forth. Is it almost like too painful that it's inappropriate for us to learn this together? Um, and I know I always talk about like the nice Nistar that we have. This is like a nice Nistar I didn't need. <laughs> this is just, it's, it's very difficult to read and to learn. And so I hope somehow, some way, maybe the Zuchuts of us all learning this together can be some form of a tefillah that the work that needs to be done there, you know, in, in Surfside gets done quickly and that families find the chama and that maybe there is a nace that happens. Um, but, you know, this discussion here is very interesting of sort of, I think the Gemara lands on that it's really the nose, it's the breath that's really considered to be life. But this machlokas of the Tanayim that really talks about sort of where does the fetus come from? Is it sort of the middle and everything grows out of it, or is it the head? You know, I think we could spend time, we just don't have the time. I think it's saying something very theological, but sort of what's the most important part of a person, of a human, what distinguishes a human? 
Um, and, uh, you know, how do we grow in utero? And it's sort of, again, it's I a think, Talmudic understanding of it, but it's very interesting to read. It's very interesting to read. I think also, <clears throat> excuse me, I think also that if we were not in such pain over the the salience of this Gemara to the current events, you know, this this itself, the discussion of the in utero, when is when does life begin? When do we consider, you know, all of these very hot topics otherwise, right? Meaning this the the topic of what is going on in utero is always um of great interest, you know, in terms of questions of abortion, questions of life, question there's so much to talk about, except for that I found myself certainly much more distracted by the current events. The other thing I would say is that um if we want to be snotty, meaning I don't want to be snotty, but you know what I mean, that if if we want to say, oh, look, in this day and age, we have science. We know more about life and, and, and health and medicine, right? Look at how sophisticated this assessment is, right? The question of when does life begin or, or when does life end? These questions are as salient today as they were then. And they really had, I guess, enough life experience to be able to say, oh, you know, even under a mapolet, even under some kind of, you know, collapse, there's, they, they were, they were sophisticated about it. They knew there's a question. Is it from the heart? Is it from the, from the nose? I feel like maybe we don't always give Chazal enough credit um, because so much is different from back then. But this kind of thing is not so different. The tools we have, the technology we have to, I don't know, infrared from a building, those things are different. But not, not when we're talking about life. Like, that's the same. Right. No, it is. And I, 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 that's also what's so sad and poignant here. I just want to make one other point here uh, before, and I know you're going to get to the new Mishnah in a minute. You know, this um, discussion, <laughs> that's sort of what's the source of an embryo of a fetus, it will appear again in, we'll see a different opinion about it with Ravi Simlai and Avashaul, appear again in the Gemara Nida. Um, but I also would urge everybody, and again, we don't have time to go through it here, um, but just look up like sort of like, how does an embryo form? It doesn't really form by either description here. Um, it doesn't really form first with the head or form first from the navel, uh, right? We know that there's really, for those of you who've studied some biology, right, that there's sort of this yolk sac and sort of out of there, um, you know, different things, uh, you know, grows out in a different way. It's really quite remarkable. So I, I would just suggest that you look at that. One quick note I want to make before we move on to the Mishnah is the last piece here about pikuach nefesh. And it's kind of interesting is they have a whole discussion about pikuach nefesh and then they get to the Midrash Halakha. Usually it's the opposite. It's we introduce a topic and we start with the Midrash Halakha. And again, I think the reason why we end with the Midrash Halakha and really the way they do it is they go through a variety of different um, opinions here. It's this whole story with Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Lezer Ben Azaria are walking together um, and then they also, um, they have uh, Levi Hasader is with them. And, and all these people give these different opinions. And then the Gemara sort of goes through to be like why they reject them. Um, and, you know, ultimately, which is the opinion that they think makes, uh, you know, really makes the, 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 the most sense, uh, which opinion is the most sense. Um, and I think the reason why they sort of 
don't really go through the Midrash Halacha and it's at the end is because, again, I think it comes to, like, this is common sense. Of course, Pikuach Nefesh should be the value in Judaism. And so I almost feel like the Midrash Halacha is like, it's a side point. It's not even necessary. And I think that's why ultimately, look at who they're rejecting. They're rejecting the opinion of Rabbi Shmuel. They're rejecting the opinion of, of, of Rabbi Akiva. And I think that's why this sort of, in a way that's atypical, this discussion comes at the end. They want to go through the halachot are what is important. How pikuach nefesh plays out is important, not the midrash halacha on it. Midrash halacha, meaning how they arrived at these conclusions from right. infer- inferences from biblical texts. Right. I think that's like somehow <laughs> important. Almost like if you emphasize that, it devalues the importance of pikuach nefesh. I hear that. That's an interesting take. Thank you. Um, okay, I want to move on to the Mishnah. This is not our final daf of Masach Yuma, but it is our final Mishnah. It should surprise nobody that the Mishnah here goes back to Karbanot, which I found, you know, again, on the one hand, not surprising, and on the other hand, quite interesting, because really that is the essence of Yom Kippur. Uh, you know, we're going to see here that the Karbanot line up with our experience of Yom Kippur today in terms of atonement, in terms of regret. So this is a general statement. A korban chatat, a sin offering, right, which is going to atone for the kind of sin, right, the kind of transgression that was unintentional um, of, a, you know, we've talked about this in the past, a transgression that otherwise would have been punishable by karate when it's done in a way that is unintentional, the perpetrator, sinner, brings a korban chatat. An asham vadai is a death example. An asham vadai is brought for robbery, is brought for me'ila, right, if you misuse um, something that was dedicated to the Beit HaMikdash. So these kinds of korbanot, mechaprin, by themselves, they do bring some measure of atonement. Now we've got more on the list. Mita v'yom ha-kippurim, death and yom kippur, Machaprim im tshuva. If you've done tshuva, then death and Yom Kippur, uh, just the experience of them, will also bring atonement. Tshuva mechaperet al averot kalot, al ase v'alotase al hamurot hutole ad yevo Yom Kippurim v'chaper. So it says death, it's kind of a, it's a, I'm sorry, tshuva, if you, if you repent on what you've done, that by itself also brings some measure of atonement, for minor transgressions, but if it's a if it's a more serious trans- transgression, the phenomenon of atonement is held in abeyance until Yom Kippur, until the calendar cycle comes along, and then the very essence of the day of Yom Kippur will provide that atonement. Haomer achatev ashuv, achatev ashuv, ein biadola Somebody who said who plans it out, right? Somebody who says, you know what, I'm gonna sin. And then afterwards, I'll do tshuva. Isn't that a good plan? Meaning, have your cake and eat it too. Have your sin and also your repentance. So this does not work. Um, it, it basically says, you know, you don't get... It, it says, Ein misapkin. You, um, The sinner is not provided with the opportunity to do tshuva. Here's another case, right? I'll do... I will sin and then Yom Kippur, the day of Yom Kippur will come and it will do... It will provide me with that atonement. So the Mishnah says, No, you cannot try to 
game the system in this way. Hashem knows better. So any kind of transgression that is specifically between the person and God, I would say an example of this would be eating treif, right? Meaning this is not, there's no ben adam l'chaveiro. There's no um, interpersonal transgression when you're talking about something that is simply a violation of Torah law um, that doesn't have any, there's no other party, there's no injured party here. So um, for those things, right, ben adam makom, if it's between a person and God, yom kippur mechaper, averot sheben adam l'chaveiro, for something that is between human beings interpersonal, Yom Kippur will only atone after the the person who's done the transgression kind of makes peace with the other person. I feel like we know this particular principle from childhood because this is the kind of thing where people go around, you know, before Rosh Hashanah, before Yom Kippur, asking for mechila, right? Asking for forgiveness for, for anything that might have been done over the past year. <laughs> and I think we understand that impetus, you know, like I would like to ask you a blanket question so that you can give me a blanket answer so that we can move on towards Yom Kippur and have atonement. Um, I think that really the idea of it is that if you know that you actually, you know, cause somebody injury and it doesn't mean necessarily mean physical in- injury as compared to some of the cases previous on the DAF, um, then that's, that's where you need to really, you know, the blanket request for forgiveness is not as much what's going on here, what's really being discussed as when you know that there was actually some kind of interpersonal mess, clear it up before you can turn to God and ask for God's forgiveness. So Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah took the same point and he's got a pasuk from it. He's got a verse in Vayikra, Leviticus. From all of your sins you shall be cleansed and then it says, and you'll be purified. Um, um, I guess it's be- better than cleansed. Or from all of your sins. So again, it's the same It's the same principle, it's the same delineation, but he's got a verse to prove it, or to back himself up. It's interesting, I think, that this is here in the Mishnah. But again, this is a closing of the Masachet kind of Mishnah. So it's got it's got that sense of just some basic principles we're going to wrap up. I'm a Rabbi Akiva. Ashrechem Yisrael, lifnei miatem mitarin. Rabbi Akiva says, and it's such a Rabbi Akiva statement, how happy are you, Israel, right, B'nai Israel, before whom you are purified, mi mitaheretchem, who purifies you? Avichem shebeshamayim, your father in heaven, meaning God, shneemar, and he's also got a verse. V'zarakti alechem mayim torim v'tihartem. So I, will, I will sprinkle utartem, sorry. Um, I will sprinkle um, water upon you that will purify you. Omer and another verse, Mikveh Yisrael. So what does it mean, Mikveh Yisrael? So the first verse, sorry, is from Yechezkel, um, from the prophet Ezekiel. And the next um, pasuk, which is, the, there's a word missing here, Mikveh Yisrael Hashem, right? The, this is a statement from Yirmiyahu, the prophet Jeremiah that the ritual bath of Israel, meaning the mikvah of B'nai Israel, is Hashem, which is a whole theological discussion we can have. Ma mikveh metaher et hatzmeim, av metaher et Yisrael. The same way that a mikvah purifies the people who immerse in it, 
so too God purifies B'nai Israel. And this by itself is an interesting analogy here because I would have thought, or perhaps at a different kind of discussion of the mikvah, we would say, well, no, Hashem purifies those who go and immerse in the mikvah. It's not, an, you know, it's not the water alone. But this seems to say that the immersion, the immersion process is what does it, and Hashem also does it. There's, there's the Mishnah presents this on the one hand of, excuse me, I clearly have this cold in my voice. I'm not, I'm feeling fine. Um, the, the, um, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. Okay, the Mishnah here is presenting on the one hand that you cannot game the system. And on the other hand, we have a certain amount of, you know, it's set up to automatically provide atonement if all of these conditions are in place. Um, the idea that Hashem might withhold atonement from somebody who has gone through all of the, the necessary steps, right? Not going through the motions in any kind of farcical kind of way, but someone who is sincere, there's no hypothesis here that would suggest that you have to wait and see if God will approve your atonement. Yom Kippur, the day itself, will provide it. Meaning, there's a whole system here that says, after Yom Kippur, if you did proper tshuva, you move on with a clean slate. Yudana, before I hit the Gemara, do you have anything you want to add? No, I, I think, look, this is, we're going to get to the last few Gotham, are sort of going to get into the tshuva piece, right? The, the, the philosophical piece that I've been complaining has sort of been missing all throughout this Masachet. Now we're finally going to get to it. They make sure we don't close the masachet without appeasing you. Okay, so here, the, let's come back to the... Or here. Is that like a Yom Kippur pun-ish? <laughs> nee, uh, ish, ish. Um, okay, so Asham Vadai. So here's the, the Gemara here, just briefly on this Mishnah, goes through, as Gemaras often do, to kind of break down some of the concepts that are in the Mishnah and elaborate on them. And I say this, like, I feel like that's the obvious thing that the Gemara always does, except for that it's so... It has been so clear that it does not always do this that it seems to need to be said. So, Asham Vadai in Asham Talu in Lo. So the mission says by specifying an Asham Vadai, right, what they're calling a definite guilt offering. Does that mean that if you have to bring an Asham Taloi, then you wouldn't have atonement? The the Asham Vadai and the Asham Taloi are each required to be brought at different times. It's not like um. It's not as if one is a mandatory thing and one is an optional thing. They're different cases of what to bring, and we'll discuss this at a, at a further date. Um, so the Gemara says, Both of them talk about kapara, don't they? So it says, yes, okay, fine. There is a phenomenon of an asham talui that also will, should have some kind of atonement, but but it's we're not talking about the complete atonement that an Asham Vada would bring. Okay. Um, I think the most important point of that line is to, the acknowledgement of this this lesser Asham, the Asham Taloi, which um, still would provide some kind of atonement, but just at a, a lesser degree until you can then, you know, end up either doing a more complete juva or Yom Kippur will come or et cetera. Like, it, the distinction here is less interesting to me than just the fact that the Gemara doesn't want us to forget about the Asham Taloi. Inami, alternatively, we have a different distinction. Hanach, Asham Taloi, 
So another way to look at it is to say that the old, nothing else will bring about the atonement of a chatat or an asham vadai. Right? The only thing you can do is bring that korban, and that is how you will, you know, get rid of that sin. Meaning, you can, the, the things that an Asham Taloi will atone for, if Yom Kippur happens, that in itself could atone for them. So there are certain things that you really need that Karban to uh, bring about the atonement, which doesn't bode well for us since we don't have Karbanot these days. Okay, let's talk about the death at Yom Kippur. Mitzav Yom Kippur mechaperim im tshuva. Im tshuva. In. Bifnei atzman lo. So the Gemara says, it says with tshuva, right? The the idea that there's an automatic atonement, you still need to have, you still need to do the process of tshuva, of repentance, which, you know, we'll talk about it further, but it's a kind of thing of regretting what you've done, resolving to do better. Hello, name it lo karebi. So all of this seems to be not in accordance with the opinion of Rebbe Yudan Asi. The Tanya Rebbe Omer, al-kol averot shabatorah ben asei tshuva, Ben Loasu Ben Loasa Chuva, Yoma Kipuri Mechaper, Chutz, um, Chutz, Umigila Panim Batara, Umefer Brit Basar, Sheim Asachuva, Yoma Kipuri Mechaper, Feim Lo Asachuva, Ain Yoma Kipuri Mechaper. Rebuda Nasi says, Really, for all of the violations one could do against the Torah, Yom Kippur will be Mechaper. The day itself will provide atonement, except for a few specific um, sins. One is that if you, um, I don't know, if you represent the Torah falsely, if you mess, um, if you mess with Brit Milah, um, and is that it? These are the two that are mentioned here. So, meaning there are some basic fundamental things that you have to do tshuva for, for Yom Kippur to be machaper, but according to Rabbi Yudanasi, that's it. The The rest of the Yom Kippur itself will bring you a clean slate. I think a lot of people function this way, but the Mishnah is not in accordance with this. The Mishnah says, no, tshuva comes as part and parcel of the of the deal. I feel Rebbe, but even according to Rebbe Yudanasi, the Gemara says, tshuva, baya, yom kippurim, yom kippurim, lo baya tshuva. Even according to Rebbe Yudanasi, he says, you, if you did tshuva, you still need Yom Kippur to provide you with atonement. Yom Kippur might not require um, tshuva to provide you with atonement. Meaning you come to the day of Yom Kippur and it provides atonement. But if you get, if you did tshuva, it only gets you so far. You still have to wait through the calendar year for Yom Kippur to provide this atonement. And there's something about this, um, about this uh, wait for Yom Kippur type of thing, or that you need the day itself to provide that atonement, which I think is almost... um, as I said, like there's no question that it's gonna work. So on the one hand, it's um it's set up for us so nicely. And on the other hand, there's a an aspect of it that feels almost, you'll forgive me, almost like magic, right? Like you go through that day, you experience that day of Yom Kippur, and it gives you the atonement. And whether that requires tshuva or doesn't require tshuva, at the end of Yom Kippur, right? Do tshuva at the end of Yom Kippur, you have that atonement and you move on with a clean slate. It's a uh, it's a wonder of the of this of a system that has sin and has punishment and has redemption. I think that you know we we 
there's a reason that Yom Kippur is this big day on the Jewish calendar. Oh, for sure. And I, you know, wait till we get to tomorrow's daf because there's going to be a lot more about sort of the importance of tshuva. Uh, but again, fascinating that we sort of it waits until the last Mishnah to get to all of this. And it still brings it back to Korbanot in the end. Because I think ultimately, as much as we talk about Teshuva and the way that we do it, it really was supposed to be tied towards the act, act of a Korban. Um, and so I think we see that in this sort of summary or concluding Mishnah of our entire Masachet. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Ravini Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP in our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. 